1: 18 plus at 3:17 p.m eastern standard time on monday it was decreed that the mets and marlins game would be rained out at 3:18, i was about to head to the ballpark so i personally would like to thank the mets very much for saving me the 275 on my metro card feel free to spend it on some bullpen help for next year it's my pleasure the uh, jacob de start that was to have been on sunday then on monday will now be on tuesday We'll get into that and have a snappy interview with a Met hero from yesterdeer. And we'll also do a deep dive into why the Mets can't hit at home nearly as well as they do on the road. This is the best I could come up with for a rainy day activity that did not involve arts and crafts. Although, I did make a mean macaroni necklace back in the day. I made mine with macaroni and cheese, actually. Very messy, not very structurally sound. But anyway, this is the Daily Mets Podcast.
0: It's your Daily Mets Podcast. It's your Daily Mets Podcast, it's where you're going to find out what the men's are doing. It's your Daily Mets Podcast, it's your Daily Mets Podcast, oh it's your Daily Mets Podcast. And here's your host, Josh Bluett. Uh,
1: rainy days and Mondays always get me down, or so sang the Carpenters. Well, yesterday we were two for two. It was a Monday and it rained. So we get your right to more Jacob deGrom talk. I have some thoughts, and this is brought to you by Burke Rehabilitation. They have been helping patients achieve their maximum recovery from a life-changing illness, injury, or surgery. Their outpatient therapy includes physical, occupational, speech, and specialty therapies. Give them a call at 914-597-2200 or go to Burke.org for more info. So DeGrom will now face the Marlins, and a dirty little secret here, he's only beaten them four times in 15 tries in his life. He's got a 3.7 ERA against them, but somehow he's four and five against them with six no decisions. So some of the stuff we're looking at, trying to convince everybody in the world that it should be DeGrom and not Nola, not Scherzer, not anybody else for Cy Young, 71% of Jake's plate appearances this year where he's faced somebody who come with the go-ahead or the tying run on base or something along those lines, okay? Next on the list is 65% in all of baseball. Nola's at 63%, Scherzer at 50%. This guy is always pitching for his life, and he's got a 1.68 ERA. Now, he's 8-8, and and if this kind of luck holds for him, he's going to have the the greatest season in the history of the live ball era, that is since 1920, by someone without a winning record. Bob Veal went 13 and 14 for the Pirates in 68. That was the year of the pitcher, but um, he was 2.05 that year. DeGrom right now, eight and eight, 1.68. Little tip of the cap to my buddy Glenn Geffner in town with the Marlins. He gave me this note, and I was talk about DeGrom being picked so late in the draft, what a find he was by the Mets. Pick number 272. He was the 143rd pitcher taken in the draft that year. 77 of the 142 taken ahead of him have not yet appeared in a major league game. But here is Jacob DeGrom. Not quite the head of that draft class because Chris Sale's war is 42 right now. DeGrom's is 26. But, you know, you look at the, the pitchers taken ahead of him. Sale went at number 13. Syndergaard at 38. Uh, Matt Harvey was seven. And uh, James Paxton should make this list. He was number 132. There were a few guys on there that we would say, okay, you know, that I get that. I get taking that guy before DeGrom. But the 137 or eight others, it, it's really tough to, to understand. The Mets, this is kind of tough to understand, have now won 21 of their last 27 series against the Phillies. But they're now out of town. That's too bad. They just always seem to whip up on Philly. They're 48-25 against them since 2015. This year, 10-6 and 6 against them. And they're 4-12 against the Braves. That right there is your NL East race. And the Mets do have one more series to play. Spoiler, against the Phillies if they want to in Philly coming up starting next week. The Phillies aren't looking so good. They've lost 20 out of 30. And they did not hit the ball as well as the Mets did when they were in town. The Mets hitting the ball decently at Citi Field. That's new. And there was a great piece done by Tom Verducci in Sports Illustrated. He looked at all the numbers, and just when we're thinking, okay, maybe we're just a bunch of whiners, it just seems like the Mets don't hit it at home. Well, check this out. The Mets this year are hitting three oh five when they put the ball in play on the road. That makes them the fifth-best team in all of baseball in that regard. They're BABIP, batting average uh, on balls in play. If they hit around three oh five at home, they could seriously be a wild card contender right now. But no, when they play at home, and Tom Verducci calls this the, the mystery of flushing, somehow their BABIP at home is 262. That is the worst in baseball. It is the second worst in the past 27 years. Because most BABIPs are going to be right around 300 to 310, something like that. A 262 BABIP when the Mets play at home. The next worst home BABIP. Over the last few years, Oakland is somewhere around 285, 286. The Major League Baseball average split, if you go home and road Babbitt, over these last six years. Most teams are a plus seven at home. They do a little bit better at home than they do on the road. Mets are minus 32 at home, and that definitely translates into runs. The Mets opened City Field in 2009. They moved the outfield fences in twice since then. They did it in 2012 and then less drastically again. Uh, After that in 2015. So you're talking 10 seasons at the ballpark now, okay? And of the worst, 13 seasons of the teams combined. That's 300 possible seasons, right? 30 teams times 10 seasons. Uh, Did I say that right? 30 teams times 10 seasons. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. That's 300 possible seasons. Okay, so you got to, let's take the bottom 13 seasons for BABIP. The Mets have six of them. That's over 10 seasons. They've got six out of 10. Everybody else in baseball has the other seven of the remaining 290 awful seasons for BABIP at home. So either there's some weird, literal ghost curse or something. Or there's something hovering around the stadium. Or the Mets have to do a really deep dive and figure out what the hell this is. Because you'd think that a a BABIP on the road would be about the same at home. Every I mean, the bases are exactly the same distance apart. It it just it does not make any sense. The only thing that Verducci could come up with, and I kind of agree with this, you look at the abundance of pole hitting fly ball hitters that don't have a lot of speed on the Mets the last several years, especially from the left side. Think Lucas Duda and the Mets. um, Well, they see a lot of shifts because of that this year more than any other team in the National League. The Mets also hit a lot of pop flies, more than any other team in baseball, and that's a killer to BABIP. So that explains a little bit about the BABIP voodoo, but the Mets have a shot at worst home batting average since 1910 in all of baseball. 1967 White Sox hit 208. 1968 Yankees, the Tom Tresh years, uh, they hit 210. This year's Mets are at 215. It is remarkable, and it does not help Jacob deGrom. Okay. Now we're going to get you to an interview. You ready? Ridgewood Savings Bank brings it to you. At Ridgewood, you'll find the same time saving online and mobile tools as the big banks, but with better service, fewer fees, and none of the runaround. So whether you want to manage your money from your phone or buy your first home, it is RidgewoodBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. So I got the idea for this, I guess, drag it out of the mothballs interview because Todd Zeal just had a birthday Sunday. He was born... The exact day of the Sandy Koufax Perfect Game, September 9th, 1965. So Todd was kind of on my mind. And I remembered, I talked to Todd about, of all things, acting. Thank you. Master thespian Todd Zeal, uh, back in spring training, did a sit down. And I've always been intrigued with Todd Zeal's time as a Met. We wonder things like how different things might have been had his drive in game one of the 2000 World Series actually cleared the wall instead of hitting the very top of it. That was Timo Perez thrown out at home, changed the momentum of that game and maybe the whole series. Maybe I'm just intrigued because the guy's last name starts with Z. There's not a lot of those guys. Pat Zachary, Victor Zambrano, Daniel Zamora now, Don Zimmer, and that's it. But Todd Zeal's always been an interesting guy to me. Broke in as a catcher in 89. They wanted to make room for Tom Pagnozzi. And uh, Joe Torre decided, you know what, I'll, I'll make him something else. I'll get him to first base or third base or something like that just like I did back in the day. And you know what? It worked. Todd Zeal went on to have 1,110 Major League Runs batted in, many of them for the Mets. And uh, I figure it's time that we we hear from Todd Zeal. Not about baseball. No, 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 no. We're going to talk about acting. Here we go. So Todd Zeal, American actor, joins us right now. That's what it says in his Wikipedia page now. It doesn't say Todd Zeal, baseball player. It says Todd Zeal, American actor actor and 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 producers so uh give me a state of the state of your
2: life right now is that an accurate portrayal that's about as inaccurate <laughs> as most wikipedia pages i guess uh, i'm not quite sure who populated that one uh, considering my acting uh skills range from uh a, a bit part in king of queens to a, a non-speaking role in kevin james other you know zookeeper oh. um I, I don't think my acting is uh, is leading the charge here but Um, What I am doing um, right now that is, you know, new and interesting and exciting for me is uh, getting back in the booth uh, down here in Port St. Lucie, uh, getting a chance to uh, call a Mets game and uh, get my feet wet, uh, you know, on the broadcast side of things. As I recall, when you were in St.
1: Louis, you and Joe Buck developed a nice friendship. And Joe, I, I remember, always used to say, boy, you know, there's a natural. Todd's good-looking guy, well-spoken, uh, UCLA educated, by the way. Uh, so I guess it's not a, a stunner that you would end up here, but, but it
2: didn't happen right away. I mean, you left the game a, a good while ago. I did. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that you, you don't really know what you don't know. So uh, you come out of the game. Um, I had opportunities to go into broadcasting at that point. Um, I think the reasons that I didn't had more to do with um, the, my personal life trying to make a marriage work, trying to spend more time with my kids. I knew that um, broadcasting um, in that context at least as it was uh, as it was offered to me um, during my early years of retirement was going to be a grind. It was going to be a lot of a lot of days on the road still it was going to be um, relocating to uh, whether it be Bristol, Connecticut for ESPN or um, back on the East Coast when I was trying to make my home on the West Coast, so I chose not to do that. I chose to pursue some other things in Southern California. I got into um, some things that were fun and interesting and some that were not so great mm-hmm. so i've uh, you know i 've gotten an education over the last fifteen years, and um, fortunately for me i 've been able to get back into uh, the world of baseball through the Mets and being in New York a lot of the time. And it's kind of enabled me to just dip my toe in a little bit on the broadcast side and, and get a little bit more involved.
1: You mentioned your family, mm-hmm. and I know how important your kids are to you. Uh, you've got one now who's really taken off in Hollywood, of all places. Tell me about Hannah's experience on a, a, a hit television
2: show yeah I think maybe on the Wikipedia page they thought they were writing about Hannah (laughs) Zeal Um, she is in fact an American actor Uh, but you know Hannah um, has always had an interest in acting and she um, started pursuing it herself and got into an acting class when she was uh, about 13 years old um and then um after uh you know my my divorce and it was a really difficult time for the kids she kind of steered away from it a little bit got a little more introverted and then um was kind of spurred on by her younger brother who wanted to go out on some auditions and she kind of took claim of that again she's goes, hey that's that's my thing I want to get back out there and um she's uh she's really talented and very fortunate because the I think the second audition that she did Uh, kind of coming back um, was for This Is Us, and This Is Us is an amazing uh, show, and it's been a great opportunity for her, and it's something that uh, I think she loves every day of work.
1: Well, it's so nice to report that all your kids seem to be pointed in a great direction right now. Congrats on your uh, upcoming new marriage. You have a, a beautiful fiance. Let me ask you one quick question about closing out your Mets career, your baseball career, uh, you you ended up catching one last time, one for the road, and John Franco ended up on the mound, ended up being his last time, and it all kind of came together beautifully, didn't it?
2: It did. It was one of those things that you can't really uh, script. Um, I was fortunate enough to know that my time was um, coming to an end, and and I really feel for the guys that are out there, especially a year like this. Where free agency has been yeah. so difficult, and there's some guys that may have to hang up a uniform without wanting to be uh, at that point in their career. So, I-, I was fortunate enough to know that it was my last uh, my last go around. And so, when it came to my final game of my career, I asked Art Howe, who was the manager at the time. I-, I said, "You know, I'd really like to go out the way I came in. Can I catch?" And he said, "You get the OK from Tom Glavin a Hall of Fame pitcher, and he says it's OK for you to catch him." Then Uh, then you're good. So I got the okay from Tommy. Fortunately, we'd known each other for a long time, and I got out there and I got a chance to catch Homer in my last at bat. But I think what was even more amazing and special to me was Johnny Franco coming in, who we'd been longtime friends, teammates, um, and his last appearance as a Met uh, ended up being a pop-up to, of all places, me in foul territory. As the catcher, it was um, unbelievable. I, I caught the ball, turned around. We both had huge smiles on, his, on our faces. I walked over, handed him the baseball, and we walked off arm in arm, and that was uh, a great way to cap off a career. Amazing. And, and he kept the ball, not you? Oh, yeah, I was his, that was his. <laughs> I, I was fortunate. My in in my career I have two home run balls that I've ever hit, my first and my last. And they both my first was in Cincinnati, but it was very similar to my last. It was a line drive that hit off the second deck facade and bounced right back into left field. So it was easy for me to recover. They threw it in on my first and they threw it in on my last and I was able to keep both those balls.
1: Life's a great big circle. Thank you, buddy. Anytime. Nailed it. All right, thanks much to Todd Zeal. Very nice man, and you see him every once in a while on SNY. He does a very nice job. Now we can get to what's brewing for today. Brought to you by the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf. They're making a big-time comeback later this year, returning to your neighborhood under new ownership, but still, as always, serving the finest premium coffees from around the world. Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, you are going to love them. It's Miami. Miami's in town. Got rained out, of course, on Monday. But now Tuesday, DeGrom will be, yes, on the mound against Jeff Brigham is the guy's name. Brigham out, Brigham out, Brigham out. Uh, young Jeff Brigham. Brigham Young. Yeah, right. Uh, took the loss in his big league debut just last week. Gave up three runs in three innings. Miami lost to the Blue Jays 6-1. to one. And Don Mattingly said it looked like a case of jitters. I mean, this is a guy that walked four batters in three innings. He was averaging a walk every Four and a third innings in the minors this year between Double A AA and Triple A. Miami, you might remember, was actually ahead of the Mets in the standings as recently as five weeks ago. But the Marlins are 15 and 30 since the break. They're 56 and 85 overall. And you know the drill. Got rid of Stanton and Yellowton, and Ozuna and D Gordon and now Justin Bohr. They've got to win six of their last 20 to avoid what would be the third hundred-loss season in their history. One of the Marlins' building blocks is getting there. Lewis Brinson, their rookie center fielder, ever since he's come off the DL. He's 11 out of 26. He missed a couple months with hip inflammation. That was a Jay Bruce thing. This is one of the guys that came over from Milwaukee for Yelich. He's a guy to keep an eye on, maybe. Um, but that's, I mean, that's about it. These guys are not much anymore. Martin Prado is a salary that weighs him down. JT Real Muto is a really good catcher. And it's just a lot of kids. And we're going to see him play. And uh, see if Jacob deGrom can finally get that ninth win and keep the momentum rolling. Get him that Cy Young Award, the first Biomet since R.A. Dickey. Very different approach, obviously. R.A. was a knuckleballer, and he was fun to watch, too. DeGrom, very fun for a, a very different reason. So, hope you enjoyed Arts and Crafts Day. I uh, did not actually break out the string and the, the uncooked macaroni, but I, I make no promises if the game is rained out tonight. This is Josh Lewin. Appreciate your time and uh, hope you will tune in for more Breaking to Guam news and hopefully a game to report on on the next Daily Mets podcast.